Dr. Nicole Swiner is a family physician, six-time best-selling author, blogger, speaker, wife, and mother in Durham, North Carolina. How does she do it all? Well, that's how we start the interview, so you have to listen to find out. With her company, Swiner Publishing Company, she helps authors become bestsellers from start to finish. We talk about why doctors should write books, why they shouldn't, why they should self-publish, and why publishing with her publishing company is actually a form of self-publishing. We also discuss event organization in the age of COVID and afterwards. Dr. Swiner attended Duke University and went to medical school at MUSC. She's lived in the Triangle of Durham, North Carolina since finishing residency at UNC Chapel Hill and continues teaching as an adjunct associate professor with the Family Medicine Department with interest in minority health, women's health, self-care, and female entrepreneurship. When she's not treating patients at Durham Family Medicine, she's spending time with her family, speaking nationally, freelancing for WebMD, and teaching others to self-publish. Find her at docswiner.com. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. This episode is being brought to you by the Doctors Unbound podcast. Check out the show for fascinating interviews that share how physicians are making an impact outside of the hospital or clinic. Whether it's founding a health tech startup, running for public office, or starting a nonprofit, tune in to the Doctors Unbound podcast for weekly stories that will uplift and inspire you. And if you're interested in financial literacy and independence, Dr. Dave regularly covers those topics as he and his family are on their very own journey for achieving financial independence with short-term rentals. Subscribe to Doctors Unbound for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Dr. Nicole Swiner, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Brad, thanks for having me. <laughs> so tell us your, let's start with your origin story. What made you decide to write your book? Is this suddenly, is this something you wanted to do for a long time or did the mood just strike you and the words just poured out of you? The, the mood struck and the timing was right. So as most of us, I journaled and had a diary growing up and all that good stuff. But once school started and I was writing papers all the time and medical school, et cetera, I fell out of love with writing because I was doing it, you know, it was, it was, a, it felt like a job, but Fast forward to me getting into the workforce, I kind of fell into ownership of practice uh, by accident, uh, became married, had my first of two kids, you know, life was kind of going on in the background. What happened was literally coming back from maternity leave from my first child, tired, overworked, overwhelmed, stressed, I hit the floor, uh, literally. So I hit the floor at work and had this aha moment of, you're doing too much. <laughs> so that kind of, my friends and family were sending all this, you know, stress less, reduced stress, superwoman syndrome stuff to me to read. And I became passionate about it. And so started doing some writing about that, about my own personal journey, about the things that I was preaching to my patients. And then from that decided, well, you know what, I can put some of this stuff into a book, into book form. And that's literally how it got started about seven or eight years ago. It sounded like you were setting it up for the worst time to write a book. You're like, <laughs> I had all this stuff going on in my life, and that's when I decided to write a book. And it, it just, was therapeutic, <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, just getting my feelings out on paper. And it was the stuff that I was already preaching 
to my patients and just not listening to enough myself. And I said, more women in particular need to hear about this. So I said, let's put it on paper. Let me share it with the world, share it on social media. And that's how it literally became the thing. So how did you make the time, right? You, you just said how, you're, how you have all these responsibilities, you wear all these hats, and yet you managed to make the time to write a book. How did you do that? How did you juggle all that? So the first, so I write about the superwoman complex and I've written two um, books on that topic. The first book literally was a, a compilation, a collection of things that I'd already written. So the first rule is you don't necessarily have to start from scratch. So, you know, because I was in practice, I'm in family medicine, primary care. I've been writing for uh, stuff on social media, writing for local magazines, doing school health fairs. As physicians, we have scripts that we don't even know we, we repeat over and over and over again. You know, and some of the stuff I was putting on, on paper anyway and putting into blog form. So for the first book, literally, I went back, collected all that stuff I had written, uh, made sure that it kind of fit with the mental health, self-care topics that I wanted to focus on and put them together in a book. That's how I wrote the first one. So it was fairly easy to go back and use the stuff that I'd already written and just made sure that it, you know, put it together in the right way. And then you decided to self-publish it, correct? Yes. So what made you decide to self-publish as opposed to shopping it around to establish publishing companies? Yeah. So, you know, I talked to a number of colleagues and peers that had published and the majority, the large majority of them, unless they were in academic medicine. If you're in academic medicine, sometimes you end up using the, the more traditional or the university based publishing companies. But the majority of folks that I talked to, particularly through groups on social media, were doing the self-publishing route. Because number one, it's cheaper. Number two, well, cheaper slash make your own money. Number two, you own your own content. So those are the big two reasons. It's fairly easy. It's easier than you think uh, for those who have looked into doing the publishing or, or, you know, do I ask a traditional publisher? Do I send them an agent, my stuff to either be accepted or rejected? It's It's a lot easier than you would think. You can really do it a lot on your own. Walk us through some of the steps especially the more daunting sounding ones. Yeah. Well, the the probably the the biggest the rate limiting step in publishing is uh, well actually probably the big two. Number 1 to establish your brand beforehand. Number 2 is the editing part because you really don't have any control over that piece. And I I encourage everyone to have their writing, especially if you're going to put it out to the world and sell it, to have it professionally edited. And a professional editor is going to take their time. You know, they're going to have their own schedule. They may be working on other projects. So it may take them a couple of months to get your your work done. So while that's happening, what I usually tell folks if I'm helping them to uh, get through the self-publishing process is while the editing's being done, you should be working on other things. You should be working on your brand, getting out, putting yourself out on social media, taking some professional photos for your book cover, that kind of a thing. But those are probably the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yes, doing podcast, big deal. That's a big deal, getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. So, but what about the nuts and bolts of publishing itself, right? Like, you don't have a printing press in your basement. Like, you don't have a book binder or you don't have, right? So what about the actual publishing and then distribution of the book? Yes, we primarily use Amazon. So Amazon okay. has what used to be Create Space is now called KDP Printing or Press. And they essentially will walk you through the steps of doing your own content or produce, producing your own product. So once you have your manuscript, once you have an image for your book cover, which you can do 
on your own or hire other folks to do for you on things like Canva. Canva Canva.com is my favorite website to use for graphics and book covers. Once you've created those two pieces and you've had your manuscript professionally edited, walking, you know, whether it be that or what's another big one? Of course, it's not going to come to you. There are other self-publishing sites that you can Google online and they will say, okay, well, here's where you upload your book cover. Here are the sizes and specifications we need. Here's where you upload your manuscript. Here's where you purchase an ISBN, which is the barcode on the back of your book. And here is how you can distribute it so that you can sell it to other people. Or to be honest with you, if you have a five or six, you know, five to 10 page quick ebook that you want to release that you've made cute on Canva, you could just do it. You know, there's a website called payhip.com where you can, you know, create kind of a quick landing page. People pay you through that and they download it as a PDF if you just want to do an electronic book. So there are some quick ways to do it where you don't have to spend a a whole lot of money. And then there's no... No publishing to worry about. It's just distributing electronically. That's right. Now, what if you do go the traditional route? What are some of the advantages of going the traditional route and shopping it around and finding an agent? And Mm -hmm. why would someone choose to do that? So that's a good question. I don't know why people would choose to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you ask, you know, I've self-published all of my books and and my books for other other, uh, authors I've worked with. But if you are in an academic setting where, um, all the work will be done very easily for you. That's a way, you know, that's that's one pro to doing a traditional setting. Um, number two, you don't have to spend any money up front. Essentially, they pay, either will cut you a check or they'll do it for you where you don't owe any money to do all the other stuff involved. So the editing, the, the formatting, the uploading, the distribution, they take care of all that stuff for you. What I will say, though, is watching people go through that. And I've been through that once where I gave it over to an agent, let them shopping around, you know, was rejected, you know, and just said, you know what, I'll just do it myself. I want to have control over my content. But there's some heartache associated with that. There's some rejection that you have to expect there. And there are a lot of changes that they get to recommend that you make before they accept. And so, you know, you lose a lot of your control with it. So I always, you know, encourage people to look into the self-publishing route. But traditionally, if you do it that way, clearly they'll be able to distribute it probably to, you know, many more people. Um, and you may get other deals in that respect, but you lose some things as well. And so you took that experience and pivoted it to a publishing company. I did. So tell us about that experience. I did. So by the second Superwoman Complex book that I wrote, and I was, you know, doing a kind of a book tour and taking it around to different uh, local bookstores and traveling and doing some speaking on on the topics. Uh, by the second book, I got more and more colleagues, friends, and family calling and asking me, hey, how did you do it? Or I've always wanted to do it. I've had this book you know, that I've been writing since I was a high school student. How do I finish it? And literally, that's how it got started, um, is me saying, you know what? I can show people how to do this. Um, eventually, I don't necessarily want to spend all my time in medicine. So this is a good kind of side gig that may become more of a main gig over time. So why not? Um, and I got to use some coaching and consulting skills with that. And it's been a lot of fun. So then if they publish with you, doesn't that mean it's no longer self-publishing? Nope. Nope. So we're really more of a self-publishing consulting. Ah, okay. Okay. Yes, But no, you get to, you, you are a self-published author and you own all of your content. I make $0 after we're finished with your product. So you pay us to do all the things that you need to get it done. And once that product is birthed to the world, it's yours and you keep all your revenue. 
So let's say you do end up publishing on Amazon. How can you game their system, right? Are there ways to inflate your book sales? Are there ways to make it, you know, like climb their ladder so that you end up, you know, looking like you're, you've, you've sold a lot of books? Yes. How do you do that? Uh, well, I can't give away all my secrets, but okay. we do what's called, <laughs> but we do what's called, and people can do this on their own. It's called the bestsellers campaign where you essentially, you can keep it as a printed book, but I think it's easier to do it as an electronic, in the electronic version of your book, lower your price to really, really low, find very, you know, specific categories, to put your book in. There are even websites that you can go on to find out what's the best day of the week, what's the most, the best time of day to release a novel versus a self-help versus an autobiography and put it out there to social media or do a press release and say, hey guys, I'm coming out with this book. It's going to be on sale. I'm so excited about it. Get people revved up for it. And that's what really drives your numbers up on the bestsellers rankings. And um, it's a good look when you're, when you're launching your first book. The other things that you can do uh, other than, you know, hiring a PR company to do it for you or coaches to help do it for you is to do um, social media ads. So on Facebook and on Instagram, you purchase ads that will sponsor your product and put it at the top of people's timelines and they'll see it more. Or you can do podcasts or go on the new local news, radio, put out ads in that way so that people will know that your book is available. Yeah, actually, my brother and sister-in-law had written a book about a children's book for the coronavirus. They have they have three little kids. We have three little kids. And there was a news van that was near his house recording something about something. I don't even know. It had nothing to do with anything. And he just, you know, when they were done, just tapped the reporter on the shoulder and say, hey, we wrote a book about the coronavirus. Yeah. Do you think you know, you could interview us and do a piece about it. And lo and behold, they said yes. And they ended up on, on the news. Brilliant. Brilliant. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. I got my book on shelves of local bookstores by walking in with my book and saying, Hey, I'm a local author. You know, how can I, you know, get involved with some of the local author events? How much does it cost to put my, my book on your shelf? So there are more eyes on it. Don't be afraid to ask. Excellent. Love it. Love it. So what about the why of writing a book, right? Why should a physician write a book? Why not just blog or not write a book at all? Why, you know, if you're writing a book, it means you're not doing something else. So why not just pick up chess or play the clarinet? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so there are many different reasons. Everybody kind of has their own for writing a book, but most people are doing it because they want to use it as their foot in the door to something else. So what started out as therapy for me and making it easy or making it easier to talk to patients about self-care, mental health, and women's health, I then ended up using that as a way to get on the stage. So, you know, I want to use it to do more professional gigs, you know, speaking gigs. I was doing a lot of community stuff and friends were inviting me for free to come to their tea and do this and that. But I wanted to I wanted to travel and do professional paid speaking gigs. And that was, you know, writing a book. Interestingly, even though I had been a physician for however many years, once you write the book, then people will say, oh, well, she's she's clearly an expert in this and that. And I was like, don't you realize I'm, I'm, a, I'm an MD? I've been doing this stuff. <laughs> Doesn't matter to the lay person. Once your face and your your name is on the front of a book, then you become an expert in that thing. And so then people will call you to be the, the keynote for this and do this and do that. So that was, um, you know, and that is usually the, the reason that a lot of people start doing it. 
some people want to leave medicine altogether. They're burnt out. They are fed up. You know, clearly this past year with the pandemic has been, you know, crazy for a lot of different reasons and people are just burnt out and we'll do something different. So a book is a different, is a great way to kind of start a new career path. You want to be a coach instead. You want to do telemedicine only. You know, it's a great way to kind of branch out into new career paths. Um, And then thankfully, hopefully you end up making some money, um, some passive income. I like to call it, you know, making money while you sleep so that while you're, you know, doing other things or you're resting or taking a vacation, your Amazon and your PayPal numbers are, are, you know, you're getting that pinging, that ping on your app, uh, you know, that you're not really doing any work for, but you're, you're seeing the, the revenue from. So that's always nice. Why not write a book? So what are some experiences that others may have had that you may have heard about, about like unrealistic expectations from writing a good book? Yes. Right. So I'm going to write a book because I want X to happen. And that's kind of an unrealistic expectation because from what I've heard, it's not really, you know, you mentioned the passive income, but the amount of, if you spent the same amount of time seeing patients that you did writing the book, you're probably going to get more revenue in the end from seeing the patients than, mm-hmm. than, than writing a book. That being said, I've yeah. heard there's money to make, to be made in smut, right? So, um, you know, if, if you want to plan on writing something that's going to have Fabio on the, or maybe Fabio from 20 years ago on the cover, <laughs> then yeah, there's going to be money to be made there, right? Yeah. But, but you know, the stuff that we have expertise in, I mean, I guess maybe some of us has, have expertise in smut, but right, health-related <laughs> topics, you know, what are, what are some of those unrealistic expectations that you've heard from physicians? Yeah, you're not going to become a millionaire. I mean, you know, you're, you're blessed and lucky if you do, but you're writing a book and having it on Amazon or at Barnes and Nobles is not going to make you a millionaire. So if you're, you're expecting that to happen, that, that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened yet in the last, you know, eight years of me working with, with authors. Um, you know, I guess the other thing is, you know, you mentioned, you know, making some revenue, et cetera, you know, yes. So you seeing more patients in clinic definitely can probably make more money in a year than releasing your book. But guess what? I wanted to see less patients. <laughs> I want, I wanted to cut back on my schedule. So having the book, not necessarily on Amazon selling a million copies, but being able to then schedule for professionally paid gigs per year that then made up for the time. And I was making more money than actually sitting in clinic and, and seeing patients definitely made, made a, a difference. What's another reason, you know, to become famous, you know, if you're looking to, to use the book to become famous, that doesn't happen either unless Beyonce or Oprah call you and put you on their, their tour, their show. But I was able to gain thousands of followers on social media. And that means something. I just had a phone call today with uh, a radio station that found me because of the followers I had on Instagram or brands will reach out to you because your social media following and your LinkedIn posts uh, get so many likes and shares. So it does mean something. It may not necessarily mean millions of dollars, but it definitely helps in opportunities. So you're not writing for the book. You're not going to make money off the book itself, but you're going to make money off of the opportunities that it provides on social media, as an influencer, on uh, as a speaker, and then other opportunities that stem from there, I guess, depends on what topic you're covering. Correct. Creating okay. courses, becoming a consultant, those types of things. Have you heard of any physicians having negative repercussions from publishing a book? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, 
people, audiences can be mean. They're, they're pretty tough. So myself included, I've, I've definitely gotten not so great reviews when you go on to things like goodreads.com or if you have other reviewers, you know, asking you, know, if you ask someone for a review or for their opinion on your book, um, that can be disappointing, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, you know, that's why you try to find your, your support team and your folks that you're working with and folks that love and support you. So they'll help to give you more positive reviews and help to really tell their friends about what you're doing um, to help in that respect. So yeah, you know, you have to have some thick skin because people are going to read what, you know, your innermost thoughts, you know, especially if you're writing about your own personal journeys, that can be pretty scary to be vulnerable in that way. So you have to be ready for that, for some of the the not so positive feedback that you may get. Um, Other than that, I mean, I'm trying to think of I can't think of any other big bad thing that has happened to someone that I know because they wrote their book. I can't think of it. I, I was, it just made me think of something I heard Seth Godin say about negative reviews. Like you might have someone who's going to a restaurant and they go for Thai food and it turns out they don't like Thai food. They just <laughs> don't like it. And so they're going to write you a negative review, but you know what? they're not your target audience. So I think in some of these reviews, there are probably some things that can be gleaned. You know, there may be a learning, there's some learning to be done from some of the negative reviews, but some of them are probably just not your target audience. And they were never going to like your book because you know what? The book wasn't written for them to begin with. That's right. I know who your your avatar is, who is that that specific person that you're writing the book for and you target your marketing toward that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So tell us about your retreats. I thought last I had read you you had a retreat, but it sounds like now there are retreats plural. So <laughs> tell us about tell us about the uh, retreat that you had over the summer, and tell us about the one that you have coming up. Yes. So oh, wait, and there was one in October as well. You yes. said so. Yes. yes. Let's talk. Let's talk about all of them. Yeah. So one other way I've been able to use the uh, books that I've published is through creating events, both in person, pre-pandemic and online. And so I had one or have one that I do every January, but doing it for about seven years now called New Year, New You. And that's my like self-care, women's health, entrepreneur focused one where we have you know speakers and we have vendors and lunch and music and it's a whole big ordeal. But then I've also created some different ones or a different one uh, for my publishing um, and branding brand. So that one is through Swiner Publishing Company, and we just did that for the first time virtually this past October, and it was it was fun. Uh, we called it a retreat because you know I sent you know gifts in the mail. We had little swag bags. We all had you know our little wine glass and. Uh, we had a, a makeup artist for both men and women to show us how to create the right look on, so you know, during our selfies, because you know, not everybody's going out uh, in the world to get, you know, a makeup artist and photography. You're having to do a lot of that stuff on your own. Yeah, and, I look so washed out. I could use, I could use some of that. <laughs> I need some some uh, tips on shading and all that. So, um, you know, it was a really nice time where we had a good good time. We had three guest speakers. We had quiet writing time and really focused a lot on building up confidence in your brand, because really that is what you're selling. You're selling you and your brand. People want to purchase your product because of you. So you have to spend a lot of time with that. And as physicians, uh, particularly if you're primary care like me, you're, you're really not taught to put yourself in the front. You're taught to be, you know, the, the, um, what do you call it? The, what kind of soldier is like the foot soldier. There you go. You're a foot soldier or you're the infantry. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're you're the the kind person. Cannon fodder. Right, yeah. in the background, just kind of taking care of people and, and being playing the back. But when you're selling your product or if you're an entrepreneur, you really have to learn how to put yourself out in front. And that's a lot of my job is pulling people to the front to get comfortable with being on camera, being on the front of their book and that kind of a thing. So it's a lot of fun for that reason. And so in January, I'm going to be doing New Year, New You on January the 9th coming in 2021 virtually on Twitch. And we're going to have hopefully the same types of fun uh, that we have in person, but we're going to put it all online. I'm guessing when you have that branding conversation, you encounter a lot of imposter syndrome. Oh, absolutely. Right? So um, can you, could you speak about that a little bit? How do, you people, how do you get people through that? Yeah. I mean, it really is about helping them just to practice um, you know, and helping to tell them. A lot of my job as the, the publishing coach is to tell people how wonderful they are, <laughs> uh, which is what I do in family medicine, too. Um, I try to remind them about their positive attributes, how smart they are, what expertise they have in that thing that they're passionate about. And um, I practice with them. Uh, With a lot of my authors, I'll do their first live streaming experience with them. So I'll do just like this with a podcast. I'll interview them on Instagram or Facebook just to push them out in front. I told them that, you know, I'm going to push you off the cliff, but it'll it'll be with a parachute, Uh, (laughs) you know, to get you out in front so you'll, you'll be more comfortable with it. So really, Practice does make perfect. And the more that you do it, and I I did not, nor do I love to speak in front of a room of people. Um, I actually love doing the the live streaming even better because I can't really see the people. But practiced on things like, um, do you remember Periscope? I think Periscope is still in in existence. I did not ever use Periscope, no. Yeah, so on Periscope. Is that on Facebook? No, it's separate. It's a whole okay, separate it's app. app. Okay. Just live streaming. And um, I practice a lot on Periscope and got comfortable with talking to, um, you know, like looking at the light, you know, instead of looking at myself on camera and talking to people without seeing them and actually made me feel more, more comfortable. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And, and, you know, it made me think about myself and my platform. And I, I like to use my podcast as a personal coaching session yes. for myself. Um so, you know, for me, this, this podcast is not about me, right? And I think, you know, what, what you were saying made me think of, of our training, right? When you're in medical school, when you're a resident, like you're not taught how amazing you are, taught how terrible and all the things that you do wrong. So, you know, that's, that was the first thing I thought of. And the, sec- and the, the second thing is, and I was wondering how I could use this because I, you know, for me, I don't really claim to have expertise in anything except for my specialty, which is ear, nose, and throat. Like I use this as a platform to showcase other people and get questions that I want answered, right? Mm -hmm. Have you an expert in writing and publishing? Um, If I chose to write a book, how would I go about doing it? How could I? So you've answered a lot of questions that I had, but it also made me think about another question. Like if I did want to get into speaking from this position, from this podcast, I have, I think, over 100 episodes right now, right? Mm-hmm. How could I go from this to something else? I recognize also I'm putting you on the spot with yeah, this I'm ready. <laughs> question, but I, you know, how would you, how could I take this show on the road? Yeah, absolutely. And happy warrior is the phrase I was looking for. Happy we, warrior, are, okay. we are taught to be happy warrior, oh, happy warrior. Oh, yes. right? Okay. And not put ourselves in the front where the soldiers are um, uh, fighting. So, so the way that you can take what you've, and what you've done already is incredible, but by having as much content as you already have, number one, you want to try to broadcast it to as many people, which I'm clear, you know, I'm sure that you've done already, but 
putting this out on things like YouTube and LinkedIn and all of that? Do you, you have it? You have this available on those sites? YouTube, no, but LinkedIn, I just link back to my website. Yes. So I have a website, but you can you, and you can stream off of all the regular podcast carriers, but I don't know if you can stream it directly from LinkedIn. But you're right, I should get it out on YouTube because people even though but this is not I'm not recording the video right now. I mean you and I are looking at each other, but this is I just I don't want to be seen, I just want to be heard, you know, yeah. like I, I have a face for radio, as they say. <laughs> but, um um, you know, I, I intended this to be a podcast and now, yeah. now I'm being told like, oh, you've got to be another, but I didn't want, they just wanted to be a podcast, but yeah. I guess I'm trying to get it to as many people as possible. I have to, I have to reconsider what yeah. I'm doing and reassess it and be willing to change and pivot and, and not just do what I originally intended to do. Absolutely. I would definitely consider if you're, if you're into it, you're recording this Zoom, post it, make, create a YouTube page because that's a lot, that is where a lot of event planners and bookers go to because they, mm-hmm. they do want to see your face. Yeah. They want to see your expressions. They also, you know, not only want to hear your voice, but they want to see how you interact uh, one-on-one. And so that's how people will look me up, you know, when they're looking into, uh, do we want to hire her or not? The other thing that would be really helpful, um, you're familiar, uh, or maybe your listeners may be familiar with Kevin MD. Have you ever heard of Kevin MD? Of course, Kevin Foe. Yes. So I'm part of his speakers bureau, and he okay. has now a speaker physician speakers bureau, where he, by the way, asks you to send your YouTube channel because <laughs> he wants to see your stuff. But by reaching out to folks like that who have speaker bu- bureaus where, you know, you don't have to get with a, a huge agency where they're going to take, you know, 50% of your revenue. Um, and Kevin D certainly does not fit into that category, but finding speaker bureaus that can work on your behalf to say, Hey, we have the, I found these events or this event is looking for this type of speaker. Let me pitch you. And so that's also been helpful to get gigs. And then the third thing that I'll, I'll mention, and that may be how we linked up Brad is by joining lots of good uh, groups on social media. So groups of like-minded people where they go on and say, hey, guys, I'm going to have this event or we're looking for a speaker or we're doing this. And you pitch yourself. You pitch yourself and you put yourself out there and say, hey, this is what I do. Here's my bio. Here's my speaker sheet. Let me know if you're interested. What can you give the names of any of those, any of the physician groups? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a member of so many physician groups to begin with. Like Facebook is no longer about like me showing off how cute my kids are. Facebook, right. which I never did to begin with. My wife is the one who posts all that, all that <laughs> stuff. I just got into political arguments with people. Right. <laughs> but, but but now it it turned into something else, and I'm you know on passive income MD yes. and yes, yes, that's one. Esther and. Uh, Doctors on Social Media, which is probably yeah. one, uh, you know, Donna Coriel's group. Yeah. Probably the one that so we, we got so in touch with. So me docs, mm-hmm. yes. So what, what other groups are out there that you can, you know, pitch to us? Let us know, right? This is a physician podcast. So we're, mm-hmm. all, we're all physicians. What other physician groups should we be a part of? I'm going to look some up right now. The first one that comes to mind is, this is for my ladies, but Female Physician Entrepreneurs is a big one. Um, I think that's, Dr. Sharon McLaughlin, McLaughlin, I'm not sure how to say her name. And she also has a, I think she does a blog, um, so not a podcast, but she's, she's also interviewing people off and on. What's another one? So female physician entrepreneurs. And I think there's also a, um, and again, you know, for my women, uh, women physicians for multiple streams of income is another. I'm a part of a lot of female groups. Um, yeah, I'm seeing that. 
empowering women physicians, private practice physicians. Those are the first ones that are coming up on my search. But yes, I'm also part of the Passive Income MDs and um, the SOMI docs is probably where we met. So those are big ones. So those are big co-ed ones. And then, you know, you find, find what fits you. Find what fits your topic. Find what the things that you want to talk about and know the most about. Search on Facebook. You'll find them. So how can people find you if they want to learn more about you? And how can people find you if they want to publish with you? Yes. So I am at Doc Swiner on all social media. Shoot me a DM. You certainly can email me at cnswiner. That's for Carmelita Nicole. That's my name. cnswiner at Gmail. And, you know, shoot me an email, shoot me a DM, and we can get in touch and talk about whatever you le- you would need to talk about, whether it be about self-care, publishing, Swiner Publishing Company is my uh, publishing company, and we're also on social media. And keep January 9th on your schedule if you want to do some New Year, New You fun on January the 9th. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and I'm looking forward to that retreat. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap on the show, but I want to again share how you can find the Doctors Unbound podcast on your podcast app. If you have a minute and you're not driving, look at the podcast app on your phone that you're listening to this show on. Search for Doctors Unbound, click subscribe, and that's it. Thanks for supporting fellow physicians as they pursue incredible lives outside of medicine. See you there. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.